Praise God. Well, as I said last week, it's it's good thing that one voice is coming up with what we're talking about when we're talking about prayer. So one voice is this week, and I want to encourage everyone to be a part of this. I have been able to connect some more churches in our community that are going to be a part of one voice this time. And so I'm very excited to have... Um, to have them going to be part of this. So this week is going to be Thursday night. And so please, if you don't have anything else going on, and if you do, I would encourage you to lay it all down and come with us and participate in that. Where's Mike? All right. Well, I think we're you're over there. We might want to turn this sub off. We've got a ring in this. So maybe that'll help the ring. Or uh, we may have to turn me down if I'm, maybe I'm just too loud. Last week we talked about a house of prayer, that this is going to be a house of prayer, that the Lord wants us to be a house of prayer. And uh, today we're going to continue just, just talking about that. We had an amazing prayer service last week, and I thank all of you that came and were a part of that, and uh, a prayer meeting on Sunday evening, and we're going to continue that this week. And if you remember Last week, I said that prayer meetings are old-fashioned. It's, it's kind of an idea to, that, that we think about. It's, it's old-fashioned. It's not something that most people want to do today. It's not cool. We want to have a worship experience. We don't want to just take a time out and shut everything down and, and, and actually have to get before God. You want to know why? One of the reasons is because we don't have any idea how to pray. Connie, while you're standing there, come back up here. Where, where's the, let me get you a microphone. I meant to already have, I want you to, to talk. I'm going to crawl up here before I get going any further. Where are the microphones? There's one. All right. We had a prayer walk yesterday. And Connie, would you just update us on our prayer walk yesterday? Okay. Um, yesterday we went to Walmart here in Maumelle. Instead of going to the park like we've been doing, um, we all converged on Walmart, and I didn't hear from every team, but I know that that Christy and I got to talk to lots of people, and I'm sure the other teams did as well, and a couple of people declined to have us pray over them, but we prayed over a lot of people. I mean, we prayed over a young man that is in prison and doesn't know the Lord, we prayed for salvation and agreed with his family on that. We prayed with a, a young woman who she said she's 42 years old and has never been married before and is about to get married. And she said she never dreamed she would marry someone who had been divorced. She said there's no divorce in her family. And she was very concerned about it. She said she knew that she knew that he was the right one for her. But she was concerned about his family background. So we prayed and broke the generational curse of divorce over his family. And I just believe God did that for her. But it was just awesome. We had individual after individual that wanted prayer and for a multitude of different reasons. And some people were just like, you know what? I always need prayer. Please just pray over me. So, and that was in the middle of Walmart. And so, with a couple of exceptions, every, just about every person we talked to wanted prayer. So, 
so I was excited about it. It seemed like a really good venue for us to use for prayer because there are just so many people that go to Walmart. And um, I just believe it's just a foreshadowing of things in the future. I think God's going to keep opening doors for us to do this and, and give it, help us make an impact on my mail. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you all that came and participated yesterday in, in that. House of Prayer. Let's, now I've got to wrap myself back into this other. But I did want you to hear from Connie and uh, wanted to ha- actually was gonna have her say something earlier on before wor- uh, during worship, but uh, just kind of lost, lost my track. But a house of prayer, and we looked last week in Isaiah chapter 56 and verse 7, and, the, and also in Matthew, uh, actually throw that up there, Isaiah 56 verse 7, and this, this is something that we need to, to be, to get in our souls and get in our, he, at the very end here, he says, For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Thank you, Eric. And if you remember what I said last week, he didn't say my house will be a house of preaching. He didn't say that my house will be a house of teaching. He didn't say my house will be a house that has great music and great lighting and everything else. There's nothing wrong with all those things. There's nothing at all. But that's not what he said. He says my house will be a house of prayer. And the Lord just began to speak to me a few weeks ago and started just working in my heart and my spirit and, and, and just started speaking to me about where's our prayer? Where's my prayer personally? Where's my personal prayer? Where am I spending the amount of time that I need to be spending with the Lord? And, and I, I got thinking, maybe I, you know, I'm not spending as much time. See, we've got this thing today, right? We say, well, I'm driving down the road, I can pray. Well, yeah, you can, and it's a good thing. I mean, I think we could pray at any time, any day of the week, wherever we are. But where's the point that we stop and we say, put the brakes on, let's get on our knees, or let's sit somewhere, even if it's just with some instrumental music in the background or something, away from everything else, just me and God, just where I can talk to God. And in today's life, we're so busy. There's something to do all the time. And if you have a smartphone and a tablet that's connected to the, to the Internet, you can be constantly doing something. I mean, it is addiction to uh, want to constantly look at something on your phone to see what's going on in the news, see what the weather's like. I have a friend, and, and, and she's constantly texting me, oh, the weather's this, the weather's that. I'm like, I don't care what the weather's doing. It's not that big a deal. But we are constantly, we have so many things that make us busy. We have movies, and we have, you know, just name it. If, if a lot of chil- people have children, and, and I've talked to, to people that, that I, I know that are friends, and it's like, when do you have time to do anything else? You take one child to this ball game, one child to that ball game, this one goes to dance, this one over here is going to gymnastics, this one, that, the other. I mean, we had a child that, that uh, Chloe talked to and said, hey, you know, uh, do you like to go to church? Yeah, I like to go to church. Well, why, 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 don't you, why aren't you going to church right now? Because my ball games interfere with it. And what was amazing is Christy said, or not Christy, but Chloe says, so would you rather go to the ball game or go to church? And the child said, no, I would actually rather go to church. See, kids know. 
It, it, it is us as parents, it is us as individuals in this world that we put stuff on other people. Oh, well, you need this, and you, you need that, and, and we'll need to do this, and we want you to be fulfilled, so let's do these, this, that, and the other. And really, the truth of the matter is, all we need is Jesus. In the end, all we need is Jesus. And his house will be called a house of prayer. And we want to get to that place where this house, where unlimited church is a house of prayer. I mean, like I said last week, I want to see the point where we get to that on Sunday nights, we have to rent this place up because we have too many people to fit at my house. And we have to say, hey, we need more space because we got a lot of people praying. And you know what? When we see this happen, we're going to see changes actually happen in our communities. We have Little Rock, if I'm correct here, we have already surpassed the murder rate of last year in Little Rock alone. And you know what? What do we have? We want to throw other stuff at it. And I'm not saying that, that the mayor or anybody else is, is wrong to try to do some other things, but we're, we're, let's throw this at it, and let's throw that at it. Let's do some other program. And the question is, why don't we cry out to God and say, God, what can you do to change this atmosphere over Little Rock? What can you do to change the atmosphere over North Little Rock? What can you do to change the atmosphere over Maumelle, whatever it is. But I'll tell you, the reason that it's going this direction is because the more we get rid of God, the more we push him out, the more that the evil can come in. You see, when we invade the darkness with light, the light then splits that darkness. The darkness cannot dwell there. And when we begin to pray, when we begin to seek God, and we begin to seek a power that's higher than ourselves, a power that says, you know what, whatever our programs is, it doesn't matter because when God comes in, he can change the atmosphere. He can make things totally look different and see lives change and for the better. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, why did the crime rate go down? Well, the crime rate went down because people were crying out to God. But instead we see so many people and we see so many churches that don't even take time to pray. Like I said last week, they have a worship experience. What, what has happened to the house of God? The house of God has become an entertainment zone. The house of God has become a place to sell books and sell CDs. And, and you know, we have our worship teams that make their CDs and they sell their CDs. And we have the, the all-star pastors that write their books and they put them out there for sale and they make their money. And, and we, have, we have guys that are making all this money. And, and this is, as I was studying more this week, it's just really hit me. When in Matthew chapter 21, he, Jesus re references this, because if you remember, I think I talked about it last week, he goes into the temple. He goes into the temple, verse 12 says, Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And I got to reading that, and there's this the situation that came back to me. When we're up here, we don't have monitors on the stage, and that's good for you, because if we did, it'd be really loud up there, it'd be really loud out here, and everybody would be complaining. And it's really good for us musicians. We have, we have these monitors in our ears, okay? And they're called, what we call them is in-ear monitors. One day, I'm looking online, and on Facebook, on a group that I'm a part of, and a person has posted, posted a picture of these in-ear monitors that he's purchased. The in-ear monitors can cost a lot of money, or they can cost a little. The ones that, Chloe, uh, that, that Christy, I can't even get those two names right today. I'm calling Chloe Christy and Christy Chloe. 
The ones that Christy has on up here cost $40. They work. $40. But I'm looking and this person says, I just purchased these brand new, pre-ordered them, and they're made by a certain company called Custom 64 or something. I just purchased them and I purchased five pairs for our church for backup singers that sing once every two months. Not once a month, every two, just one time every two months. You're like, okay, well, $40 a piece, whatever, they're their own, you know, stick them in there. No, $3,500 a piece. For backup singers, he purchased them with the church's money. This is the church approved it. Once every other month, $3,500 for these things. And as I was studying this week and I was praying, I was like, Jesus... This is exactly what he's talking about. I can see Jesus going in there and saying, give me those right now. And I'm, I think Jesus would probably sell them and give the money to the poor, right? Give me those. What is going on here? You have given your money. I don't care if the church is making millions of dollars a year. That doesn't matter. That is God's. We have turned it into a house that is opposite of prayer, a house of entertainment. Or, for many, maybe it has become a house and a den of thieves, as Jesus talked about. And I begin to think, God, where are we as a church? I would not want you to come in and start grabbing these tables that we have and start turning them over and throwing them in the floor and kicking the chairs and saying, wait a minute here. Nothing in here is right. All you're concerned about is entertaining people. All you're concerned about is making people feel good. All you're concerned about is, is the worldly stuff. And this is supposed to be a place where you can reach me and you can reach the Father and God can do something and God can change lives and God can see life change like no other, no other place can ever have it. While I was doing that, the Lord took me over to Jonah. Everybody here knows the story of Jonah, the guy who ran from God. One of the things that I think is very interesting is when we talk about prayer, we have a communication between us and God. Prayer's not one way. It's not us asking, for, asking God for something and we going over here and doing our own thing. God, give me this. Thank you. It's gone. Prayer's communication between us and God. And so also... It is God communicating down to us. God doesn't go, there, I'm gone. He's somebody who wants to talk to us. He's somebody who wants to be with us. He want, he's somebody who wants to spend time with us. The other night, it was Friday night. It was late. I mean, it's like 1 o'clock in the morning. And I turned the music on in the house, and I just began to walk in the living room and just begin to pray and just pray, God, you know, just touch touch this weekend, and I started praying for individuals, started praying for y'all, all of y'all in this church, just started praying, God, what can you do in our lives, and who can we, we lead to you, and like I said last week, till the soul in our own hearts, and till the soul in our church, and make it a place where people can grow in you, a place that can, they can sprout up, and they can just receive the Holy Spirit, and receive the things that God has for them, so that they can go out, and they can do the same thing, God, Lord, just, just till us up, Lord, just make us, make this, the, the soil in us soft. And God, just help us to go out and, and get into this harvest and stop. Let, don't let us be a, a church that just sits and is, is silent. But let us go out and let us begin to pray and talk to God. And God's talking back and I'm talking to God. And man, it just feels great. Even in the bad times, it feels great. It's like R.C. was talking about some, some new song. And, and, and 
It's talking about that even if all these other things go bad, you're still there. You're still there. You know, when you look at the, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they still could talk to, to, to God. They, there was the Son of God just was in the fire with them. He was just hanging out with them right in there, and he took care of them. But they had a relationship with him. They weren't concerned about their own self. They weren't concerned about their own life. They weren't concerned about bowing down. What happens to us? It doesn't matter. Even if you kill us, it doesn't matter. We're not changing our minds here. Jonah here, he's having a conversation with God because he's a prophet, right? Him and God talking to each other. God's talking back. He's talking. Well, God tells him to go do something he doesn't want to do. You know, sometimes when we begin to pray, God tells us, I need you to go do this. And we're like, whoa, God, I don't know about that. Nah, you know, uh, maybe I should go this way instead. That's what Jonah did. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. I mean, these people were barbaric. These people were horrible. These were horrible people. I don't want to go over there. I ain't giving them no message. I'm going the opposite way. Sometimes we get that in prayer. We begin to pray. We want to go the opposite way because what God tells us to do is not what we want to do. It doesn't feel good to us. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel you know... Isn't it amazing that our churches, what, what, what do we do? What do so many times we hear in a church coming? How are you feeling? What's the matter how I'm feeling? Sometimes I've got to do some things that don't feel so great, right? Sometimes I've got to make a step in a direction that I don't want to take that step. And here, here Jonah is, he's doing the same thing. He's like, I don't feel like doing that. I want to go this way. This doesn't make me happy. God is sending him over to somebody. You know, sometimes that's what God does in our life. When we begin to pray and we begin to seek out God and there are people in our life that just kind of agitate us and irritate us and the Lord's like, you know, I need you to pray for them. I need you to lift them up in prayer right now. I need you to ask for my blessings to be upon them and my direction and my will to happen in their life. And you're like, God, God, I don't know about this. I don't really want that to happen. I really don't want that to happen to them. What do we want? We want the bad things to happen to them because look at what they did to me. And, it, and you could think of somebody probably right now that if the Lord just said right now pray for them, you'd be like, you'd stop for a second and think about it. I believe you all would all pray for them. Everybody here would. But, but it, it, is, it is hard. So, so Jonah heads on over. to you know He gets thrown out and he gets thrown in the well or thrown in the, thrown in the water and a great fish comes and swallows him up. And he's talking to God two ways here. One way, two ways. And finally... God's like, okay, I'll spit you up over here, but I need you to go into Nineveh, and I need you to tell them what's going to happen. So he goes into Nineveh, and, then, and remember this story. He goes into Nineveh, and, and, and look at this. And uh, If you have your Bibles there, you can turn over there if you want to or write it down. Jonah chapter 3. He preaches in Nineveh. Then in verse 5, so the people of Nineveh believe God. They proclaim to fast. They put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least. Then word came to the king of Nineveh. So all the people, this happened, all the people, then the word came to the king, and he rose from his throne and laid aside his robe. He covered himself in sackcloth and sat in ashes. Here's the king. He throws off his good clothes, and he's like, I'm going to show God that I have repented, that I have made a change. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published Throughout Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. 
Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand. Who can tell if God will turn and relent? See, they didn't know. They weren't sure. But he says, we got to do everything in our power because we believe God is going to do this. So we've got to show him. Let's show we want the whole land. We don't want anybody, anybody to, to have anything in between us and God because we need God to do something. So they're praying. They're crying out to God. God, you know, don't do this to us. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. So here we have a situation of prayer, right? These people are crying out to God, please don't do this. And God hears. And God hears it. See, we don't need to, to say, well, that's just going to happen. Well, it just, that's just the way it goes. Instead, we need to start saying, wait a minute. No, I don't, want it. I don't want it that way, God. I want to talk to you about it. Maybe you can change something for me. Maybe you can make something different happen. And right here, they didn't know because I don't know. God is, his own, it, it, God is in control. And sometimes I like what, what I think it was Wednesday night that Tina was saying, you know, we don't always know why this is going to happen. But one day when we get to heaven, we're going to understand. Why does God heal one person, but he doesn't heal the other person? I don't know. God knows he's got a plan. He's got a purpose for that. But when we get to heaven, we're going to understand that reason. Sometimes maybe he gives us that answer here on earth. Why did this happen? And we go, oh, I know what happened. Okay, God, I got to understand it now. But we can still cry to him. We don't have to just take no for an answer. We don't just have to take the way our life is going for for that's it. That's the only answer we have. No, we can say, no, wait a minute here. We're going to cry out to God, and maybe he will change this atmosphere. Maybe he'll change the way things are going here if I'll just take a few minutes to cry out to him. But in this, remember, Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. Jonah didn't want to do all this. He's praying to God, and him and God are talking, right, conversing back and forth with each other, and God's like, I'm going to do this. So that happens. And when we ch- jump into chapter 4, And it says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. Now, isn't it funny that we today would go, wait a minute, you just went into this town of about 200,000 people, and you spoke the word of God, you said what's going to happen, and they repented. I'm going to tell you something. Any pastor would just be, should be ecstatic, should be ecstatic. That if you were to go into a town, if I was to go into to Maumelle stinking like a fish, and I walked down the street and I started pray, saying, hey, listen, you're going to have to turn or God's going to kill you. He's going to destroy you. And everybody said, okay. And Mayor Watson, I got his name this time. Mayor Watson says, hey, I'm calling, I'm calling a fast. I'm calling a prayer meeting. We're going to get down. I, want, I don't want you to put on any nice clothes. I don't want you to do anything like that. I want you to shut your TVs off, unplug them. I want you to turn the electricity off. I, I don't want you doing nothing. I want you calling out to God because we want to see something change. We don't want this to happen. I would think that we would be excited. But Jonah does this, and he's not excited. And that happens. 
Sometimes God asks us to pray for that person. We do it, and we're going, well, God's not going to do anything. We know they're not going to change, and they're not going to turn. And then that happens. You're like, God, why did you do that? You know what they did to that person. You know what they did to me. That's not fair. Why did you bless them like that? Jonah was doing the same thing. So he prayed to the Lord in, in this verse 2. Lord, he says, ah, Lord. Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled to, previously to Tarshish. For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. He knew that God was going to do something miraculous here. And that's why he didn't want to go. We have to understand that God may do something miraculous when we pray or when we tell somebody something that God's told us. But that needs to be okay with us. We need to be saying, that's okay. If a person walks in this place who is drunk, a person walks in this place who is a drug addict, a person who walks in this place has some other sin going on in their life, we have a choice to make. Will we say, come, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and we know that he will give you rest. He will give you rest. As the song says, take my yoke upon you. Hear me and be blessed. We're, are we ready for that? If somebody walked in here stinking and, and just, 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 man, you're just like, oh, I can't even breathe. Would we be ready for it? You think that, oh, yeah, well, well we're, we're good enough for that. One pastor, the Lord had just, he had seen God do miracle after miracle after miracle. People drunk coming in. People that, that are in homosexuality coming in. All these things. And God did miracle after miracle after miracle. It was at the end of his service, and, and he went to sit down. and He went to sit down, and there was a guy that came in. He had preached. He had sung. A lady had... Uh, a lady had given her testimony, and he's coming down the aisle. And the pastor is going, oh, I am exhausted. I am not ready to talk to this guy. Immediately, he began to judge this guy. He says, you know, he just wants money. That's all he wants. And so he's sitting there, and the guy comes down, and the guy sits down next to him. And he goes to talk to the guy. He God's like, well, you know, I'm, uh, I'm homeless, I'm this, that. He's going through the whole thing. And when he turns to him to breathe, he has to turn his head. He stinks so bad. I mean, it just makes him want to throw up. I mean, this guy, he says, I've been around some really nasty people, but this took the cake. And he just kept on turning his head. And he was just like, man. So he reaches and he pulls his wallet out to give this guy some money. Reaches and opens his wallet up, and the guy goes, no, I don't want any money. And he turns to him. He says, I want what that lady said she got. And immediately he just sit there, and he was like, God, what has happened to me? That I don't even see what you're doing. I've already judged, and I've already decided what's going to happen. Instead of going, what are you going to do, God? How, how can I touch this person? And he, and he turned to that, that man, and that man began to cry, and he took that man and just put him on his chest right here. And he said, what's that stench originally where I couldn't breathe? He said it became one of the one, most wonderful 
fragrances I had smelled. Because God has shown me that this right here, he could come in and change this life if I would just stop and just give him an opportunity. If you think you're better than this pastor, you can look at this pastor's story, you can look at his church, and, and, and you say, no, I'm not better than this pastor. We all can have this happen to us. We all can have this happen to us, whether it's on a prayer walk and somebody we see, I don't know, I don't want to pray for that person. Whether it's somebody who comes in, into our prayer meeting on a Sunday night and going, what are they, man, well, I wish they didn't come tonight. You say, why are you talking about this? Because I want to prepare us for the supernatural. I want to prepare us to see people changed. What did I talk about last week? 75% of church growth is from one person leaving one church and going to another church. And that's not what I want to see here. If somebody's not getting the word of God and they're not getting closer to the Lord because that church is not preaching the word and, and, and that church isn't, that's one thing. But I don't want people leaving just because, oh, well, this church is better over here because the sound, they sound better, they got a better guitarist, they got a, a, a better whatever. I don't want that. I want people being saved. I want these I want these, these chairs to be filled up with people who don't know Jesus. And through that, we can grow the kingdom. We can grow the kingdom that way. So he was angry. So he says, okay, God, please take my life. He's so ticked off. He says, take my life for me, for it's better for me to die than to live. Now, I think a part of this is he probably didn't want to go back and tell his relatives what he had done. He, you know, he, he didn't want to go back and tell them, hey, guess what? I, I went over here to Nineveh, and, um, you know, we hate them. And I told them that God was going to destroy them because God told me he was going to destroy them unless they repented. I, and they repented, now God's not going to destroy them. And so I think part of it, he probably was thinking, man, I'm not going to be popular anymore because everybody's going to be mad at me because just go ahead and kill me, God. That's not in the Bible, okay? That's, that's just Adam, but that's my opinion. Sometimes we do that. We're like, but if we do this, then how popular am I going to be? How popular am I going to be? Verse 4, he says, the Lord said, it is right for you. Is it right for you? I've read that so many times this week, and every time I read it, I was always reading it wrong. I knew what I was reading. I had to go back and read it and go, why do I keep on saying it is right. It is, is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. God will do that sometimes. He'll bless us because he's fixing to show Jonah something. He's trying, to, he's trying to prove a point to Jonah here. Even when he's, you know, you know, why are you blessing Jonah? He's angry. God does that to us sometimes to prove a point because here comes a point. When the morning came, the next day, God prepared a worm and that worm damaged the plant and it died. And it happened when the sun came up that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death on himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. So here, I'm going to show you the goodness 
And now I'm going to show you the opposite. I put this plant over the top of you. I shaded you. Now I'm going to make you as hot as everything. I'm going to make you so hot that you feel like you're going to faint. It's been kind of hot like that around here the last few days. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, it is right for me to be angry even to death. He hadn't got the point. He just the point hadn't got across to him yet here. What God's fixed, trying to say to him here. So the Lord has asked him again: Is it right for you to be angry? No, it's not right. Jesus had a right to be angry when he went into the temple, because his father's house had been turned into a den of robbers, a den of thieves, and he had been totally turned away from what it was supposed to be, which is a house of prayer. Verse ten. But the Lord said, "You have had pity on the plant." For which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. He's upset about something he had nothing to do with. He didn't make the plant. God made the plant. He was upset about that. In verse 11, And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand and much livestock. So God's saying, shouldn't I have pity on something that I, that I have had a part of and that I've created? I've created these people. I made this place. Can I not have pity on it? Because I had something to do with it. You had nothing to do with the plant. And you're aggravated and upset about it. You want that plant back. What about me? Can I have what I want? When we begin to pray and we begin to seek God and the Lord starts putting things on our heart and people start coming to this place, like I said, people that we might be like, why are they here? Instead, we need to say, wait a minute. The Lord would have none, would have it that none should perish. None should perish. What can we do to affect these people's lives for the future? So that their future is bright and bold. Their future is, is lit up with the grace of God. Their future is in heaven beside us. Instead, let's take an approach that when we get to heaven, that we can turn around and behind us we can see all those people that came because we got on our knees and prayed. Because we said, God, we're going to seek you out. Like I said last week, it's old-fashioned. Prayer meeting's old-fashioned. Getting on our knees and praying. And praying together for an hour, two, and three hours. That's old-fashioned. But guess what happened? Remember what I said last week when Peter and the disciples and all those got in the upper room? They didn't even know what was going to happen. They, all they knew was God said, go do this. Go wait on this. They began to tarry. They began to pray. They had their prayer meeting, and God came down. And God moved. That's where we need to be at. That's the point we need to be at. We say, I want to be so old-fashioned, I want to be like Peter. I want to be so old-fashioned that if God calls me into an upper room and I've got to pray until he comes, I'm going to do it. One, one great uh, preacher of yesteryear, there was a man who used to go around and pray for him and pray for his revivals. And this guy was a pastor, and he had failed as a pastor. He just never could make it as a pastor. So he felt like the Lord called him to go to the city that the evangelist was going to to preach at and to pray. And so he, come, he, he, uh, uh, he came to the, to the place where they were praying, the hotel room, and the lady that was keeping it said, hey, 
For three days, they have eaten nothing up there. For three days, they've done nothing. And I've, 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 I've tried to get them to eat something, do something, and, I, and he goes up and he opens the door up and here are these three men on their faces crying out to God. God, do something. Change people's lives. Come in. Open up people's hearts. Make fresh things happen in their lives. Can we get to a point, are we ready to get to a point to be so old-fashioned that we really want to see those kind of people get saved? We, can, we, we have a choice today, right? We have a choice. I think I said this yesterday. We have a choice. We could be the church that sits in, 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 in our pews and we pray on Sundays and sing some songs. Lord, bring them in, right? Bring it in the sheaves. Bring it in the sheaves. Just bring them in here. We could be that way, right? We could be the other, other one, right, where we, we'll, we'll market ourselves and we'll give out mugs and we'll give out $20 gift cards to Walmart and we'll have great lighting and sound effects and fog machines and we'll have the best, we'll pay for the best children's pastor, we'll pay for the best worship pastor, we'll have Chris Tomlin come in once a month, you know, whoever we got to, to get this done, right? We'll, we'll make a trip to Bethel two or three times a year and see that this is what we're going to do and we'll be cool and everybody want to go to our church. Or we could be the church that, yes, that we pray, God, bring them in, but then the church that says, no, we're going to go out and do something about it. No, it might be, not be the coolest thing to talk about Jesus to somebody, but we're going to do it anyway because we want to see their lives changed, and we don't care who they are. If God calls us to pray for somebody, and that person's laid in that hospital bed, and he says, I want you to go pray for that person, I'm going to raise them up. If they will repent, I will heal them, and they're going to walk out of there. And you're like, God, man, you know, I'm ready for that person to go on and be with you, okay? I mean, they can repent, but you just take them. He goes, no, I need you to go pray for them, okay? That's what I want you to do. And we will do it. We won't be like Jonah and get angry when God does it. Listen, God's a merciful God, and we, and we should believe this, that if he's ready for somebody to repent and he's working on that person's heart, it's going to happen. And if it is that he wants to help that person in a way that we're not very happy about. Instead, we should say, praise God, this person's headed to heaven. Praise God, God got what he wanted, and now let me move on to the next thing that God has for me. That's what we should do. That's what we should do. Every day, take time out for God. Take time out. Stop. Stop what's going on in your life and take time out for him. Say, God, what can, what can I do for you today have your list of people that you're praying about have the situations that you're praying about and don't let it be all about you let it be all about what Jesus would have you to do he's called us he's called us out to go out and to minister and to reach people for him and so let's do that let's pray okay let's pray God, I just thank you this morning. I thank you for these people where two or three are gathered together in your name, that you're there. We thank you for an opportunity to worship you, an opportunity for your word, an opportunity to reach out to you. Lord, I want to thank you for every person, Lord, who, who came yesterday to, to go and, and pray for people and to reach people. Lord, I, I thank you that you have touched people's lives and you're going to touch even more lives. And Lord, we, we just... We continue to pray for each person that doesn't know you that's driving up and down Maumel Boulevard, who's driving up and down the streets in front of our houses, Lord Jesus, who are, who are living next to us. We continue to pray, Lord, Lord, let us reach them for you. 
Lord, give us the authority and the power in our spirit to be able to talk to them and not be afraid. Lord, we want everyone to have what we have, and that is that great relationship because you're a good God. You're a good, and your mercy endures forever. You're a good God, and your mercy endures forever. We praise you. We thank you. We glorify you. We magnify your name. Jesus, be exalted. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, fill us with your power. Fill us with your power so that we can reach people for you. Fill us with your power. Burden our hearts. Burden our soul for those that do not know you. Help us to turn the TVs off. Help us to turn the radios off. Help us to put the books down, Lord, and help us just to, just to talk to you and pray with you and spend time with you, even in our busy lives, God. Help us to make time for you, Jesus. Let this be a house of prayer for all nations. Lord, we pray right now for our missionaries all around the world, Lord, for Matt and Andrea Martin, Lord, who are now leaving back out and heading back to Africa. Lord, we pray that you'll bless them, that you'll touch them and encourage them. Lord, we pray for, for Thumper and his wife, Lord, as, as they're ministering up in the north, God, to these bikers. God, that you'll just move upon them. We pray for the Deshanes, Lord, as they're ministering in China, Lord Jesus, that you will just give them the words to speak as they are around people, Lord, that you'll open the doors for them to be able to reach the people, Lord, for you, God. Lord, we pray for, for the Indian Reservation, for Catherine and for her church over there. God, as is, is we just lift them up this morning and, and encourage them as they're going into church right now, as they're, as they're doing Sunday school and as they're, they're starting their services, Lord, this morning, God, we pray that you will bless them and that you'll encourage them, Lord. Lord, that you'll move in their midst this morning, God. Just touch them, Lord Jesus. Touch them, Lord Jesus. Pray for Jeff and his family, Lord. We just pray for them, Lord, as, as, as they are, are in their part of the country, Lord, in their part of the world, Lord, that you'll just help them, help their children as, as they're still young children, Lord. Help them to be encouraged and, and let, there be, let them be safe. Keep your hand on them, Lord Jesus. We thank you today, God. We give you glory. We give you glory and honor, Jesus. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. This evening, 6 o'clock prayer. Meeting 6 o'clock in this Thursday. Remember what we have, uh, the, and if you'd like to come, just talk to me. And uh, you may can ride with somebody if you don't know how to get there or want to carpool. Um, there may be some people around here. And offering, we have an uh, offering bucket back here in the back. If you have something that you